We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Jack Ramsey's, Danny Murray, Brandon Sprague. Friday evening, Super Bowl Sunday. It's a great time to talk basketball. That's exactly what everybody's talking about. It. <laughs> it's the talk of the town, man. Basketball. Oh, babe. Every time I derailed the, the entire week with Dusty to talk basketball, he just kind of looked at me like, you're a monster. Why would you do such a thing? Uh, we appreciate you. We love you. Like, rate, view, subscribe. Help us grow the show. Uh, we are we are back to the grind, uh, not only uh, post-trade deadline, which we are here to talk about, uh, but I'm back to the land of living for the most part. I think I'm probably only going to cough twice during the show. So, baby steps. Shout out, drugs. Um, all right. We are post-deadline, post Falling apart to the Detroit Pistons post uh, injured uh, five of seven, five of your top seven. A lot of things going on. Uh, where do you want to start, Senor Sprig? I, I, I want to start with the most obvious. I think we can touch on the injuries, where they're at right now health-wise. Um, I hate to be honest with people, but waking up at 4 a.m., I just sometimes cannot like stay tapped in. They were up 23 when I went to bed. Boy, did I wake up to a surprise. They lost in overtime and hand left hurt. I was just like, what a nice surprise to wake up to. I, I think we start, though, let's start with a trade deadline. It was yeah. a massive thing. I, I, I said this on the radio show, and I, I want to get your thoughts on this very quickly. If I would have gone back in time, Doc Brown pulls up, the DeLorean's there. I'm going back in time to September, October. And I catch Danny Morang outside of the bra- the Blazer practice. So he goes, hey, hey. And you think it's me. I'm like, yo, this is February Sprague. Mm. Telling you. I can tell by how white you are. It, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that's a great observation. Pale white. Mm. They're not going to make a real move at the deadline. I, what would your reaction have been just in that moment? I know a lot has changed. We know the landscape of the league based on what the deadline was. Mm-hmm. But what would your reaction have been at that point? I it depends on when you got to me. If we're talking like post, like if we're talking like a week after day before media, media day, I say if we're talking day like a week, a week after media day, yeah, it would have been different because okay. after it was about a week after media day that I had a bunch of discussions with people around the team and kind of like understanding of what what was happening. We we're still kind of trying to figure out like immediately post Dame trade. Guys weren't even in town yet. Like Malk wasn't even in town day of if I if I remember right. I think he was. Yeah, he the, wasn't there. The next day, it was Da got there right away because it was just Arizona. It was easy. Yeah. Um, 
I would have been surprised on on no movement or very little movement with, with Delano Banton. Yeah. Um, but if you would hit me up a week later after all the discussions and like, no, they're going to keep Malk and they like him and um, they've got a bunch of young guys they're trying to figure out. I would say if they didn't make a move, particularly with where we were with the CBA then, I wouldn't have been shocked. I would have had a mild surprise at a lack of action. But if you mm-hmm. told me kind of like what shaped it, it wouldn't. I don't. I don't think it would have bothered me or, or made me like what. Like if we like the year before, yeah, obviously because of where they were like contractual standings. But right. um, six out of ten level of shocked. Okay. Yeah, I think I put myself in that scenario, and I think I would have been an eight just out of the not knowing what the draft was kind of at that point versus what we know more and more about this the you know the landscape of the the new CBA and how people are adjusting with the cap and how like that's a an underrated part. I mean the biggest player traded yesterday was either Bogdanovich or Buddy Heald depending on your perspective of it. So it clearly wasn't a massive trade deadline, but a year ago, it, you know, where they were a year ago, where they're at now, Delano Banton coming in, you mentioned that um you heard Joe Cronin. He had his press mm-hmm. conference. What did you think of the comments? Uh, what I expected. I, I thought that was probably the most buttoned up and like professional that we've heard Joe as far as like keeping it on on track. And I mean, we've we've gone over the whole you know uh, trade deadline and then into mm-hmm. into the draft uh, quotes last year. That I think if they would, could go back and do it over again, they would. Um, not because I don't think they wanted to, but because by putting it out there, they put an onus on themselves that right. put them in a bad spot. I, I, yeah. I don't think anybody would disagree with that at all. Um, His two worst moments, Danny, are that press conference and the draft press conference. Yeah, that's. What, I'm sorry, I, I said. I uh, think that's fair. I said uh, post draft, but yeah, uh, or, or pre draft, but the post draft. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's that's when I what you know kind of went at him was like, how can you justify trying to play these guys all together? Like that doesn't make any sense. Um, that was the whole 92 minutes this thing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but or 96 minutes, excuse me. Look at my math right. Um, I thought it was. The fact that there was nothing that really came out of it shows you that he's getting more used to being the more buttoned-up GM more than mm-hmm. anything else. I think the one comment, the one question that kind of made him pause was mine about the CBA and yeah. whether whether or not they – what he should or shouldn't give away there. I think everything else was kind of like a prepackaged uh, point, I think. There, can I can I throw one point? There was I so I listened to it and and there was one that did stick out, and it, he was going through just kind of his evaluation process mm-hmm. of like how he's kind of viewing this, and he did I, I think he said something to the effect I'm paraphrasing here because I don't have the exact quote in front of me but mm-hmm. paraphrasing something to the effect of and we want to figure out our style of play. Yeah, he was talking about bouncing back from that road trip where they got schlacked. He was, I remember yeah. he said, I'm really interested to see what our response was to that. And then I think we still need to do a better job of, of, exp- of uh, exploring or expressing our identity. Something yeah. along those lines. Um, because I think they've started to show a little bit of it, but I think they're right. I think they still do need to be better about who they are with an identity for sure. I think the tough thing hearing that though was just to the 
your three. And I look, I, I think that the, the hard thing about this conversation, we talked about this before the pod, is nuance and disagreement and kind of just overall as basketball fans, media, whatever, philosophy and viewpoints mm -hmm. of this stuff. That one was a weird one to me. And I, I certainly get the response from the road trip. That obviously was a bad road trip. They certainly the arguments played, the worst in franchise history. Uh, yeah, I mean they've they've I they lost last night, unfortunately for them, and to the worst team to lose to. Yeah. But they, for the most part, when they've had their guys, they've played better basketball. I just was that one still kind of the way I heard it was just like year three, Chauncey. We're still kind of like doing the whole identity thing, and and again, might be more mm -hmm. context to that. But yeah. that one kind of caught my ear. And I wanted to throw it at you because I was wondering. I how think that's much more. I think it's more context as it per pertains to this roster. I think that's that was at least that was my interpretation of it. I think I, I guess that's all in the eye of the beholder, like how you hear the question. Sure. It's like uh, when Jake Fisher said that the he heard the, the rocket Blazers thing. Won. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people got sideways with it. My interpretation of it was like, oh yeah, they they don't want to be a team that doesn't have vets. Yeah, like that was the like the only way that I was reading it. Where other people took it more literally. Like, you want to be twenty three and twenty six and be the eleventh seed and have Dylan Brooks on your. I'm like, no, I, I don't think they meant it as like a direct one to one apples to apples comparison, guys. I think they just wanted to say this is a young team with or a team with a bunch of young guys and a couple of vets to kind of put it all back together. Uh, but as far as the identity. Like even talking to the players uh, this season, like they they've said, particularly over the last couple of weeks, probably over the last month, they've been better about getting their identity across and like the version that they want to be. Yeah, just getting guys more involved at certain spots, like finding ways to get DA integrated, um, finding ways to get the young guys involved, um, the aggressiveness and getting downhill and getting towards the rim, like those things are kind of where. I think that's kind of where they were going through it. Okay. At least. All right. That that's how read I read it. What, 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 how did you read it? Well, I just, it's, I didn't read it as like the most negative, but it was just like when you're in the third year with a new regime, it's, um, there's an element of maybe hearing it at certain moments. And like, I've, I've been up and down with this stuff, man. Like, I, I joke, I mean, you know, I jokingly would say it and I, I meant every word of it. We weren't, we're not built for this. And I'm kind of throwing myself in that sometimes. Like, it's, Danny, it's not easy. I've seen you. I've seen you pull back. I know you have. It's not always easy to sit here and watch this team. And, you know, you kind of wonder. I've been throwing this out for a while. I don't think the West is all that stacked outside of the first four. And I'm not saying they're going to be in the playoff next year. But that was an element of the presser that I was thinking about. I was going through my head of they kept the vets for now. Mm -hmm. We'll see what happens in the summer. But is there an aspect of this build and I, I, I think we've either asked Joe this or I've wanted to ask this. Like, the team-building concept cannot be simple for a million different reasons. No. One of them has to be you're always kind of flexing and bending with what your information is telling you. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, like, for years it was like, can we just get Dame some help? We finally get two really good vets on this team and Malk and, and Jeremy, and they want to be here, and mm -hmm. we're in the middle of the restart and they're two guys positionally that yeah. we would want. Yeah, it's just crossing at the wrong time. No. So I a, a, lot of, a lot of that is luck. Kind of but, your... but, but, but real quick, let me I, yeah, go, go. I just I wonder with the no movement, and we we I think it's fair to assume that that market sucked, and that's okay. Yeah. Are they recalibrating a little bit? 
And maybe this isn't baby blazers for X amount of time. Maybe this, you know, that rocket yeah. thing that we talk about, maybe I, that's what it is. I, I, I knew kind of where you were going to go with this. In my discussions with people that have talked to the team and mm-hmm. my discussions with the team, it has been made very clear that they don't want to do the bullshit they did before. They don't want to, and I think the, the Joe, the, the professional GM speak, what Joe said yesterday was, we don't want to build a team and short circuit it. I'm trying to remember what he said, yeah. and get to the playoffs and get schlacked or get blown out or get bombed or something like that. I can't remember what 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 verb he used, but um, I think that was his way of at least of sliding that in there of like. We don't want to build a fake playoff team just to say we made it to the playoffs. Don't want to be a seven seed, an no. eight seed, get in the play and beat the play and go, oh, maybe we can cause the go- Yeah, like, the, no. no, the goal isn't that. that I, let's see what they do. Mm-hmm. But behind the scenes, they have been very clear about that is not what they want to do. Now, the GM speak was um, a sustainable team. Which I think means don't do what the Hawks did when they stumbled into the Eastern Conference Finals because they played nobody. You know, they had the short-circuiting Knicks and mm-hmm. then uh, Ben Simmons forgetting how to basketball. Yeah. Uh, or the Phoenix Suns, it was at 2015 when they were like, yeah, with the Bledsoe. And then there was yeah. like, just you don't, you don't want to do that. Like, that's... There's a there's a gap in there that teams like Chicago are looking to fill, right? Well, Chicago's really proud of being a ten seed or a nine seed, and you can just like book them for that. And I think organizationally, I if they go down that road, and this I've been t- called a mouthpiece for Joe Cronin and a shill for the team, and blah blah. blah. When they traded Dame, and you know this, Brandon, what did I say? I'm going to give this franchise two years of, like, carte blanche. Okay? You've got two years to put this together. Beyond that, if it starts heading down that again, then I start, you know, drilling away at it. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I didn't, when Dame's rookie year, Dame's first three years, Dame's fifth year, I'm not, I wasn't killing the franchise. Because they were still trying to figure stuff out, especially after LaMarcus left. Like, yeah, you screwed that up, but let's see where we go now. Right? And I think that my brain is wired to like, if you, I see OKC keeps getting brought up in the chat. From the time (coughs) that they dealt Westbrook and George until now, that's five years. That's five years. They just dealt Dame six months ago. Mm-hmm. Get four and a half more years till you're on the same timeline. Yeah, if that that's the timeline you're going to point but to, like, a, like, like that, like that. Everybody yeah. keeps saying, "Okay, see, they did it so quick. They did it so quick. They traded Paul George and Russell Westbrook five years ago." That is, by the way, side note, insane. It's been five years. I right? do feel like that was two years ago. That's what I mean. Like, because of everything that just, it, it's just, I look at where things are and yeah, I want them now. I don't, I don't want to cover a bad team. <laughs> That's, it's not fun. Like, I don't, I have to invent new ways for me to watch games. Sure. 
because it gets like last night. I think what about seven, eight minutes in the fourth quarter? I go, oh, they are so they're going to lose this game. Mm-hmm. Like you could just you could see it coming. The second <laughs> the second ant went out in the third quarter, I was like, oh, this is not getting good. And then they closed the third quarter, and I was like, okay, okay, we'll see where this goes. And that's I think that's kind of the season. It's like you're like, all right, let's see where this goes. But you have the you have the wherewithal, at least for where I'm at and how I'm analyzing things, where I'm not living and dying in between each game. I'm mm-hmm. looking at 82, but I'm taking a look at this 10-game segment, this 10-game segment, who's doing what here, who's doing what here. And you mentioned it before, we were talking before the pod, that somebody, uh, somebody tweeted at me like analyzing five-game segments. like how Increments the, of the season. Do you yeah. break them up into bulk amounts? Terry Stotts used to do that. Terry Stotts used to take take the game in five game chunks. He'd do uh, five game chunks. Mm-hmm. That's how they, they used to, like. Hey, let's tackle five games at a time. Five games at a time, and then you just kind of go from there. And you just kind of take a look at what they are doing now. They started out a complete shit show. Then mm-hmm. they kind of they got really injured. Then they started to get it together a little bit. Then it was like, hey, this is a fun, plucky team. All right. And then you get into mid, late December and you're like, this 10 game segment's the worst basketball I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And now they've gotten out of that and they're in like, what, the last 10 games? Well, last last 13, they're five and eight because they were six five and seven. Five and eight, yeah. After six last and seven night. had they won last night, which yeah. is kind of like, I, I started to pre write something like, they're six and seven. Like, I'm like, I guess I shouldn't have done that. Um, <laughs> I think you had a couple. I think you did have one that people were like, "Oh, this aged so." Oh yeah, no, I was talking. About, in fact, th- that tweet, I'll double down on it. Absolutely, I was talking about the veterans. Yeah, because that's the, right. The, the the Pistons were rudderless, and I was talking to the Pistons writers after the game last night, and they were like, "Yeah, we haven't seen them do that all season." Like, I, apparently, Cade went in the locker room and chewed the everybody out of that game last night. Yeah, at halftime. Wow, and just I took whatever step was necessary, and in, in the, you know, the vacancy was filled, or the vacancy was there. There's no vets on the team, so K decided yeah. to fill that that hole, and which good for them. But that is cute and fun as all that is. You can draw the straight line for when Anthony went out. I mean, they were up what 18, 20 uh, when Ant went out, like that. Yeah, I think when he got hurt, it was around eighteen. Yeah, and then it just. <laughs> Like you could like literally the ESPN graph shows you when it went out and just craters. Um, And if you don't have 49 from Jeremy last night, you might've broken that record for how many points they would have lost by. I mean, they had nothing. Yeah. And he gives you 49 on 50, 50, 90 shooting, you know? And I look at that and I go, Jesus, you know, what is, what does this season look like? If it's, you know, that your process Sixers level. So if, well, if anything, that re- it reinforced for me the value of veterans last night. So I think my fear and, and part of the why part of the reason, Danny, why I come back and forth on some of this, because I I totally understand from a logical standpoint, this is not going to get rebuilt quickly, is even though people, you know, confuse OKC with a two-year rebuild and not like a five-year rebuild. My only thing in my hang up on it is because I heard you say the process sixers. I worry about being the kings. I, 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 uh, the plan certainly has changed things for a lot of teams that maybe aren't ready or, or as good. And, you know, that gives them a little motivation to, to make that leap. But 
I think the tough thing for me is OKC comp is fine. Certainly going to take some time. They got Shea in that deal. And yeah. and and I, I like some of the players on this team. I don't I personally don't think we have a Shea. Yeah, no, like I, I, of, I don't know if that that guy is there there, but also at the same time when they made that deal, I don't think that they knew he would be a top five no. player in the NBA. Well, you know, according to Doc Rivers, he was telling Kawhi, you should just keep Shea. We don't need PG. Uh one in five Doc Rivers was saying that on a podcast once and I about laughed. But look, it certainly was a risk for them. But it was a good swing because it's a young player on a, you know, he's a good athlete. He plays a, a, an important he projected, position. He projected to be a very good player. But he top, did. Top he five, did. anybody who says that is, oh, they're lying to you. And, and Pre- yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. But Presti was smart to get that in the deal. And For then sure. he flourished. It's like when the Knicks get Brunson and it's like, yo, he's actually maybe first team All-NBA type yep. talent. It, it changes the math. And I think that's the hard thing about the rebuild is we point to OKC they have a first team all NBA player. I we don't have that, and that's what makes rebuilding difficult. Is like the can part you find of that. It? Yeah. Well, the, here's the thing: you have to kind of go through the desert for a couple of years to to see if you have that guy. If Scoot turns into that guy, if Ant turns into that guy, if Shaden turns into that guy. Unfortunately, with Shaden's injury and having a surgery today, you don't know that. Like, did you did the Thunder know that in year one with Shea? No, probably not. No. no. Did they know it in year two? Nah, probably had a pretty good idea of like what this looked like, of like what he was going to be. But I think they also had a clear table of understanding th- th- when they made the separation, because they got rid of Paul George, they got rid of Russell Westbrook, and they got everything that they needed in that. And then they bring in a guy like Chris Paul, a veteran, to help stabilize things. And it was kind of funny because Shea wasn't playing on the ball endlessly because you had a Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. And he brought him along a little bit for all of the... Scoot needs all the on-ball reps. Do you think Shay? Do you think SGA got all the on-ball reps alongside Chris Paul? Chris Paul ain't never, <laughs> Chris Paul ain't never been off the ball. Not <laughs> once. I, I tend to believe people pointing to certain rebuilds don't watch a lot of those teams during the actual rebuild. So they just see it. They see the final product or the product that's progressing and they go, well, that should be us. I, I will push back on one thing there, though. I think don't we know Ant? Like I, I know Ant has been banged up, and I felt really bad that he left yesterday. He was having a good game, but like we know Ant's not SGA. That's... Sure, but, but, but my point was just like to go through these processes. You have yeah. to you have to go through that wilderness, and they haven't even got through a year post game right. yet. And I think that's that's where some difficulty could lie for Blazer fans. I know we'll get to a lot of things tonight, including update on some injury stuff and. We got some questions we're going to answer, but I think that's the element for me is I was evaluating this, right? And we'll get Mm -hmm. to Shaden, but Shaden might be shut down for the year. I know when he comes back, it's somewhere about the 13 games remaining, Mark. I don't know if he'll play. We'll have to wait and see on that. 32 games of the year. 32. 19. It sucks. It it sucks that Shaden But this is is an underrated element of the season, Danny, is – 32 games is an awful sample size for a guy at that point of his career, and it's terrible luck. Scoot's 19. You've highlighted before. How many times? It's hard to evaluate and for, and fully come to any conclusion whatsoever in a 19-year-old. Ant's been banged up here and there, and it's it's been tough. Like I was really evaluating. Is the most positive thing, if you took Jeremy and Malk out, because timeline-wise it might not match up for many, is the most positive thing from the season so far Jabari? 
Am I wrong on that? If you from just a evaluating from, from that a consistent str- from a consistent thread, I would say yes. But I would also say I think even with Ant being banged up, he's a twenty-five and five guy. Like we've 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 seen it. Now the consistency of like when it, like his dips, and he'll tell mm-hmm. you flat out that's the thing he needs to work on the most. For sure, that is the one thing that it's, it is the consistency of like. There's a difference between being a near star or star and being a superstar. Right. Superstars are capable of find a way to do it every night or close to every night. You know, sometimes you just you don't have nights. But those are the rare occasions. They're, they they aren't 25% of your games. That's the step for Ant. But I think that's that's where they've been robbed with his injuries is whether or not he can put together strings of that. Right. Eight games, seven out of eight here, eight out of ten there. Like that's I think that's the kind of thing where you're like, okay, is he on the same level as the heroes of the world, which are really good players? Or is he above that but below the superstars? Right. Like the Zach Levine level, I think, is kind of where he's at right now where like if he takes one more step like his high end is super high but there's this you know kind of vacillation offensively like that dude can absolutely murder but when on those nights he doesn't have it it hurts you because you you rely on him to be that guy and i think that's the question with Ant is can he take that next step up because if he can then he's a guy you build your offense around and then that answers one of your questions about your foundational building blocks. Is it SGA? No, but you kind of know which way you want to go at least for the next two years. And I don't disagree. Yeah. I don't disagree with any of that, but I think what makes that difficult is you still have another point guard on this team. That's 19 still figuring his thing out. And, and as we mentioned with shade and we'll get to the injury 32 games. Like, I don't know what you go to a whiteboard with your personnel and say, how do we evaluate this? Like it's such a tiny sample size. I mean, it's, it's awful news, but also, you know, the deadline comes and goes. Mm-hmm. Still have the vets on this team. I know they're banged up. What does this mean for the summer? I know a couple people asked that yeah. question, but like what this now means. I know we got to get the rest of the season, yeah, yeah. but like no, I, I, I'm already starting to look there myself. Yeah. Um I don't and barring some pretty drastic change within the roster, I don't know how you can come out of the summer with Malcolm on the roster. I don't. I think that's a big change that has to be made unless you're somehow trading one of Scoot and or Shaden. Because you just, you can't have four guys that need 28 to 30 minutes a night. Like, it's just, the math isn't there. What about Jeremy? Is Jeremy in that for you on the summer? Or is it just Malk? Just Malk. The, Jeremy's not prohibiting, like I said, unless there's a major, unless they, they draft, unless they draft like Alex Sar. And Alex Sar is a guy they look at as more of like a Jaron Jackson playing more of the four. Yeah. Then maybe you ha- can have that discussion of like, yeah, Jeremy's kind of in the way of that development. Or he's now, Sar is going to split time between the four and the five. And that's kind of how you, you have him kind of playing both, which the Grizzlies have done a little bit. And obviously, Jaron played more five with the Olympic team, which didn't go well. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, I think that that's. That's the way I think you could kind of seeing like that kind of change, but I don't think that there's a 
Jeremy needs to go edict from me at least. Mm-hmm. And it's not because I want to see Mel go. I like Melk. But there's there organizationally, you can't sit there and try to force four guys into that positionally. There's just not enough minutes. It's the same thing that I said to Joe or the question that I asked to Joe on draft night. How can you get three, four guys that need 30 minutes when you've only got 96? Yeah. And that hasn't changed. Now, the only reason why I relented is, remember, I got killed in the beginning of the season when I even mentioned Scoot coming off the bench. And lo and behold, he comes off the bench, and it ended up being beneficial for him. I don't think you can go into next season... I think, number one, you can have Scoot come off the bench next season. I, I think that's actually okay, okay until they figure things out. Because, again, he's just turned 20 five days ago. Mm-hmm. You, you're okay there. But he has to be the third guy. It can't be, well, it's either him or Mount. No, no, no. There, the way I've always looked at this, and I'll use Anthony as an example. When Ant was developing behind Damon C.J., Nobody will, you can't find audio or video of me anywhere saying you need a clear runway for Anthony Simons in year one. You won't find it in year two. You'll start to hear me say it midway year three. That's when I was like, you know, I'd like to see Ant get out there a little bit more. Year four when I was like, he needs to be out there. Sure. That's, but that was kind of like, I like to bring guys along slowly and show that they can handle what they're given and if they haven't if they can't i mean you can ask i mean ant's been open about it he's talked about it in multiple articles i've talked about him telling me about it where he questioned whether or not he could play in the league and people are out there on twitter at the same time like why isn't anthony simons playing you know it's like this it's this strong contrast where like ant's like i don't know if i can play in the league while fans are like why isn't Derry Stotts playing ant and so it's like <laughs> there you know what i mean it's such a wild contrast when you like really know what's going on behind the scenes and but that's hard i mean look i i'm not trying to defend every no no, no I, I get it i but get like, it i feel it, bad it has, for fans they don't have that information no, it's, it's the same thing with like ryan last night like i love yeah. i love ryan you will not find a bigger supporter of ryan out there than me mike schmitz well that's true that's his baby <laughs> um but as, no as but it as it Look, I am not the biggest Chauncey Bell supporter on the face of the planet. But the one thing I will give him and his staff credit for is that all of the young guys have gotten opportunities when they are ready. You know what I mean? Like, this is like we didn't think Shaden was going to play at all. Joe Cronin flat out told me last year that Chauncey had the green light to redshirt him. Oh yeah, I remember doing a thing with hiking on the radio and we talked and we you know, we, we we're dumb not diehard NBA people the way that like you and Hiken are sickos and we're me and Dirt were like, yo, we want 12, 15 minutes, and Hiken's like, I don't think that's reasonable. I think it's gonna be like six and like the like, first game. Maybe he'll play. Minutes. Yeah, and that's what it was like that was because behind the scenes, Shaden showed that he could handle it. And this year, Tamani and Jabari. Like Duop. Chauncey and his staff have shown if a guy is ready for it. They will give them that opportunity to sink or swim. Yeah. What they won't do is put you out preemptively to fail. People before people say, "Well, Scoot, in camp, 
Everyone, and I mean everyone, told me in camp that Scoot was bawling his ass off. And I think the reality and the bright lights of the NBA, a little bit of pressure got to him, and it was like, sure, got a confidence can come and go for yep, young guys. Just kind of pull back. Point. It's it was a little, but I like what they've done with Scoot. I like what they've done with Two. I like what they've done with Wop. Uh, uh, Chris. Chris is Chris is such a great kid. Chris Murray is such a fantastic kid. He was so shell shocked when he first got here. He looked horrible in summer league. He was struggling yeah. in in preseason. He was so hard on himself. In talking to him the last couple of weeks, man, he is so such a different person. Yeah, Con- not just confidence in his game, but confidence in his personality and like just being more settled here, being in a routine, being more comfortable. He's such a sharp, thoughtful kid. Yeah, in in talking to him, you can see like uh, he he had a couple stretches where or a couple games in there where he's like I talked to him after the game after a poor shooting night and I was like how you doing man and he some some version of like I'm just I'm struggling but I know I know I know I can I know I can do this like, I just got to stick with it and if I keep sticking to the things that I know I'm supposed to do I know it'll come back around like it's and it wasn't like coach speak and it wasn't like he was like. Speaking into existence. That's how athletes talk. That's yeah. how they operate. They it, have to do that stuff. It, and it, it was 100% honest. It wasn't lip service. Right. And, and he goes, you know, when I'm going, I know I can I can really get it going. You know, he had that game where he went like 5 of 5 from 3. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, no, I know I can do that. And last night, he did that pump, hesitate, drive, go, finish. And I was like, holy crap. And then he gets the left-handed block on Ivy mm-hmm. on the spin move. Like, he flashes these little things that let you know, like, oh, there's stuff there. But, and his, I think he played almost 28 minutes last night. But the staff is not going to, like, Chauncey, after the game, I asked him about rotations because everybody was so mad about, you know, Brian not playing or Chris not playing. And whether you agree with Chauncey or not, his justification or his reasoning for what he went with was, like, he goes, look, man, I already have Jabari out there. I already have um, Tumani out there. I already have Ashton out there. Like, I had to have one other guy I could trust. So that's why I went with Matisse. And he, he said he flat out said, look, Chris was going, but, like, I have to put somebody else out there I can trust. And I think he mentioned, look, now that we have that on tape, even though they made mistakes, I can go to them and go, see, this is why you need to be ready. This is why, like, I think that was him basically saying, I need to be able to trust you, Chris. I need to be able to trust you, Ryan. I need to be able to trust you, Baji, in these situations if you want me to put you out there. So when I put you out there over the next couple weeks, I need you in these situations when I put you out there to not make that mistake that we talked about not making. And I think that's the world that they're in right now when it comes to development. And I'm not giving them all the leeway in the world, but with what I've seen... I'm willing to at least give them that leash to mess it up. Is that is that is okay. that fair? No, no, that that makes sense. I I think okay. So here's a follow up for you, okay. And and there's some other things I want to get to. So, what what is your read? Like, what is Danny Morang sitting here right now today? Mm-hmm. I tell you, they get through the summer. The usual guys that you count on youth wise are all back for obvious reasons. Malcolm and Jeremy are on the team at training camp. I'm gonna be pretty pissed. Okay, I'll be honest. Like okay. we, we can we can clip this one for later. I don't. If Malk's on the team next year and there hasn't been a pretty fundamental change in the roster, 
unless he is saying, no, I am really, I'm okay with being like the fourth guard. And I mean, like, I don't, I don't think a six man of the year is going to want to be the fourth. And guard. that's what I'm saying. I, it would take a very fundamental change in okay. who he is. And I don't know if you've watched Clay Thompson and accepting his Been mortality. Um, these guys don't do it. Yeah. It's taken from them. You can you cannot. I mean, I, I got, I'm not a worry fan at all. And I just, I felt for clay watching that locker room video. Oof. Okay. Then, then let me follow it up with the deadline. Nothing major really happened. Some teams make some moves. I actually I love the Knicks moves, but like largely mm -hmm. the deadline's kind of a dud. How now should we be evaluating trade packages, upcoming CBA when it as it pertains to the summer? Like, that's is good, this that's stuff really going to change? Yeah. Is this stuff going to change back? You think? And look, I whether you're right or wrong is not important to me. I just what you read is somebody that's going to these games. Every single home game, you're going to practice, you're talking to people. Do you feel like this changes once people get a hold of the cap? Draft capital, the 24 draft kind of sucks, so we get past that. Like, does it get back to normal, or are we in a different world now? I'm going to split the difference. I know it's kind of cheating. I think it is going to be different from what it has been in the past. I think it's going to be – I think this deadline you saw very reserved. And people thought I was full of shit when I was saying it coming into it that everybody I was talking to all said the same thing. It wasn't scared. It was cautious. Cautious. And nobody wanted to do anything too big. Yeah. Because nobody really knows the ramifications for all the levers yet. Danny, no I was shocked that Bogey went for two seconds. Yeah, like I, was, I was talking to Pistons folks. Um They've got to be the most clueless franchise in they screwed that sports up. right now. They, they had they had a real first and a player on on offer last deadline. In the summer, last deadline and the summer, and they. Jeez, I mean, look, man the 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 Bulls had I I know of offers that the Bulls had for Caruso this deadline that they didn't take that made me go. You sure about that? Well, yeah, because they get to fill the United Center. They have the biggest arena in the NBA. And all of these people, Print despite money. how, yeah, that's all. I mean, like, I hate to say it, but well, that's mean, what the name of the game is for that franchise. Yeah, Reinsdorf has made no, made no secrets about that. Um, but I think teams that have salary slots between like 15 and 25 million. Okay. Are going to be in a good spot to make moves. And I'm not just saying that because Portland has them, because I, I, in discussions, executives that I've talked to around the league have told me that those, like the above MLE slots, those are the ones that I think that contractually, and this is what I'm really interested to see, is, is the middle class coming back to the NBA? Because right. right now you have so many big contracts and you have so many little contracts and then you have your MLEs. There's no more, weirdly enough, there's no more Evan Turner's. There's no more Myers Leonard's. There's no more, more the Harkos. Yeah. yeah. The, like the, the 20, like the, the, the guys that were in the 15 to 24% range. Right. Of the salary cap, not the 35, the 30 or 35%. And I think the new CBA is going to push some contracts there. I think, some GMs are going to have some conversations with some agents like, look, uh, I know, 
in the past that you thought this would get you a max or a near max or like we'd be flirting with it. That's just not the way we're going to do things now. And <laughs> if you want to go somewhere else, cool. But I don't know if you've looked around the league. Nobody has cap space. So you can sign a one-on-one with us or you can sign for extended money and we'll, this is the new deal. Yeah. And, I, and I think there's going to be new slotting and new pecking order. That's my read on how things are going to go, which initially will stifle player movement. But I think because of diversity of contracts exists, that will be how, like, perfect example. Donovan Mitchell and all the rumors about him going somewhere else. Where is he going to go? I've never understood the narrative. Who, and who has frankly, the money? What makes me hate the NBA media? Who, I'm like, who, who has the money to sign him? him? Right. Everybody says he, the Knicks, and I'm like, why do the Knicks need Donovan Mitchell? Not only that, they don't have the cap space. He can't leverage, oh, I'm going to go to free agency. No, the Sixers are the only team with cap space. That doesn't sound like Miami or New York to me. Mm-mm. And do you want to go to a team with cap space? Because now the rest of your team sucks. Well, what's the what are the Sixers doing with Maxi in that situation? Like, But even I'm saying, even just in general, like if you take like just ca- a cap space team. Sure. You got your money, but now what? Mm-hmm. If I had to, if I had to put money on it, I would put money on Donovan Mitchell resigning with the Cavs. I would agree with that. Yes, and I like I don't. I think the player mobility era is going to come to a screeching halt over the next thirty six months. Now, the top like Lucas of the world, he's the next one. He's the next one. Everybody's eyeball. He may be able to force some action because he's one of the third best players in the world. Or three yeah, until he gets an ownership stake in a goddamn casino and he's never leaving Dallas again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'll be a billionaire here. You're bigger than the Cowboys right now. Yeah. Don't go anywhere. I, I think I think that's just it's interesting to think about when they didn't make much of a move. I know Banton's here now, so we'll see what he is as a prospect. But just kind of thinking now with what the deadline was and where we'll be at. Come June, July, August, when the summer's here, and it's my like, understanding okay. is the Blazers will have the Blazers will have effective ammunition to make deals, and I, the the date that I am circling is the draft because they're they're a team that number one has an extra lottery pick. They have five the, picks this year, right? With the extra pick. Well, yes, but but yeah. the if the as long as the Warriors pick stays in the lottery, doesn't you know go top four, and they have their own. Mm-hmm. The Blazers have options in the sense of like. Can they put those? Let's say that they stay where they are. They have five and ten. Yeah. And they're like, hey, Detroit, the top three guys in the draft are all bigs. You have bigs. What if we give you five and ten for number two? Or, hey, Team X. uh, Is there, can I interrupt that? Like, hmm. when I hear you say that, I know you're just giving me a hypothetical here, but. Is this that draft? We're trading five and ten to move up to get a. Is there a? Is there a player? I think if there's a that, guy like, that you you want. Look, look. If I'm the Blazers, and I, I've I've been sitting on this. I just need to push publish on it. Um, <laughs> That's why I'm trying to push your fat yeah, ass into doing it, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> I need I need to just push publish on my draft preview. God damn it. Um, look, I, I there are three guys I think that profile incredibly well for the Trailblazers going forward. They're all front court guys. And if let's say they're just out of the range, but they have something to go do that with, yeah, then yeah, then you like or Team X. Hey, you've got this, you know, twenty-four-year-old wing, and you're 
in a weird spot or he wants out. And we've got the necessary salaries in Robert Williams and Malcolm Brogdon, but we also lotto pick. Right. You know, and then you can start pushing some things around and now you've got another guy in there. You know what I mean? I just, I think they have options. Now what they do with them, that is the big question. And that's why I think I look at the summer and go, if they come out of the summer without making some pretty impactful changes, mm, that's that's a problem. Okay. Um, I want to talk about Shaden. We need to get to the questions. I just want to briefly uh, get to this. Uh, the, a piece done today, post bla- you know, Blazer trade deadline, not mm-hmm. much happening. Uh, interesting stuff on DA. I, I know we haven't talked about him in, mm-hmm. in a couple pods, but... Uh, basically a reference that DA has, uh, let's see this in Portland were defined by hardiness and tantrums, according to a team source yeah. writes, Jason quick. Have you heard anything on DA? There's an aspect of this that I actually want to take this. It's not just about DA, but have you heard yeah, anything about that? I thought that was a little bit mischaracterized. I don't know. A little weird. We talked about DA really in December. That's, that's not a secret. You know, he had some personal stuff. Like, we've mentioned on the podcast, I think, three different times. It screwed him up, and it made things problematic for him behind the scenes. Like, we've talked about that. Like, um, whether or not... But it comes out now. You can understand how you read that, and it's like, yeah, oh... Yeah, that's what I thought. Like, I, I haven't heard anything about him. Like, he's a number one overall pick that averaged 18 and 10 that left Phoenix in frustration. Do you think that yeah. guy was available because he's, like, entirely normal? <laughs> I don't think any of them really are. No, look, DA's insane. Like, this, walking into that locker room after games sometimes, that dude is like, screw it, I'm going to mention this. So, post-game, DA's getting ready, we're getting ready to talk to him, and we're just kind of back and forth shooting the shit, and he's getting, he's putting a chain on. Okay. And I'm like, damn, DA, that thing sounds heavy as hell. It just, I mean, this chain is chainy, okay? Yeah. White gold yeah. diamonds. Yeah. And uh, he he goes, yeah. And he like holds it up and like, hold it. And he like puts it in my hand. He goes, that's a kilo. <laughs> <laughs> and he drops like what I can only imagine is $300,000 in my hands. Jeez. And I just looked at him like, it's a house, dog. Like, <laughs> yeah, my house is paid off. I'm going to take this right now. But like, at the same time, people saw the clip, I want to say from like a week earlier of him being asked about Phoenix. Yeah. And like, he just didn't want to talk about it. He doesn't want to talk about Phoenix. It's clearly, it's, it's a sore subject for it. Well, you get picked number one, you start out good. It gets turned around and then you're to blame when something doesn't happen. Cause you couldn't guard Nikola Jokic. Like I could understand the sentiment there. My point being like, he vacillates between like goofy kid and irritable. Mm-hmm. Like that, but is he the, this horrible person in the locker room or problematic? No, was he a basket of cats in the month of December? Yeah, okay. But beyond that, I there's nothing like I haven't heard about like any like suspensions behind the scenes or or fines or the coaches really having to go after him. In fact, more often than not, I've heard that like, look, I think Da got a bit of a, a worse rap in, in Phoenix than he probably should have. Is he okay. a mo- is he the model citizen? No. But have you talked to DA? <laughs> he went up there and talked about dominating his first five minutes here. 
Yeah, he was pitching merch as soon as he got to that Look, table. He's just a different cat, dude. But as far as like being disruptive, a tardiness, okay. and the tantrums, like the tantrums thing, I don't, I don't really. That's the part of it I don't understand. Like, okay, I, I don't, I don't know of any instances that were single that is tantrums. Um, bristly, I think you could call Da bristly when he doesn't want to talk. But tantrums, I haven't ever run into him. All right. Well, part of this that I wanted to take it now is, and we've touched on the summer, the no deadline stuff, but part of the rebuild and rebuilding a franchise up is evaluation. And unfortunately, the Blazers announced that Shaden Sharp is going to undergo abdominal surgery. Mm -hmm. Uh, He'll be reevaluated in six Six weeks. weeks. If if he's good to go, Danny, we lined it up. That'll be 13 games remaining. I'm not putting a lot of eggs personally in that basket. So mentally for me, I think his season's done. Again, if he's if I'm wrong, cool. But if he's done, that's 32 games. I just how do we evaluate this? Like what's the takeaway Shaden Sharp another season, but unfortunately really not much of a complete season. Yeah. How do you think they're evaluating Shaden now? Um, selfishly, this is the thing obviously I wanted to see how Ant and Shay play together, Scoot and Shay, just kind of how they things fit together down the stretch. Um, getting some an irritating injury kind of squared away and seeing how he could, you know, kind of figure things out. Um, talking to the folks in the organization. I mean, hell, when I talked to Shade last, like, a, I want to say, like, a couple days before the announcement came out, he told me, he's, you know, it was still lingering, but he was hoping to kind of get back, and then he's ramping up, and it just wasn't wasn't there. So it wasn't like this thing where it was, like, games where it was like, ugh. Uh, that's that sucks. Or GPs was really bad. Nas's they just kind of found in the off season. They're like, oh, let's go ahead and address this. With Shea's, I was told like if it comes to the point of where they're going to need surgery or he's going to need surgery, um, we will go down that road. We're not going to mess around with it because the, yeah. this is the year to do it. Um, in that, when he comes back, if he can play everything green light all the way down, because there's 13 games remaining on the timeline they would give him the runway because Dame, Nas, GP, all of them, all of all of them have said the same thing with this. You need to play through an uncomfortableness to heal. Like you, there's just like this uncomfortable thing you kind of have to push through in order to really get back. And if they can do that with like five or six games remaining, I think that's something they would look at, but they're not going to force it unless he's 100%. Okay. Uh, I just, I thought that was a big bummer. I didn't, it wasn't shocking to hear that or read that announcement, but it's just it's such a bummer because we all know that like part of the rebuild is is real good analysis and evaluation. And I just thirty two games to me, Dan. I don't know how. You oh, that that, that, that sample size is non-existent, man. Yeah, it, it's it's not really fair to him. Let's get to some of the questions from the yeah, listeners here. Been through to these. Uh, all right, here. Let's start this one. Uh, odds Portland move. What? Oh, wait. This must be the two. Uh, okay. I think this is a draft related question. Odds Portland moves what seems to be the two lottery picks. There we go. I can read now. Basically, uh, would they would they use the two lotto picks to go get yes. player? And I don't think that they would unless some under twenty five year old player came through and made sense. That, but I don't. It's hard. How to big? See how them. big is a young player? You've mentioned this before. How big is that young? He's whoever that is. Like if you're talking about moving team? both lotto picks, but compa- like, no, no, that, that, well, that's yeah, a, that's, that a, that's a seriously impactful player. Well, I'm more just curious, like if they move mouth or they move draft capital, like how important is the young player versus the assets? Right? OKC gets mentioned. OKC is a million draft picks. Where's their read on 
younger player that kind of fits more the timeline versus having the draft capital? Um, from what I've heard, they're perfectly good, okay with like with where they are in their draft assets. Now, if somebody came along and offered them like massive draft capital for something, I think they would take it. But I think that what they were what they're targeting are. I would imagine like Wendell Carter Jr. or Patrick Williams or Jalen Williams is probably too good now because he looks like he, he might be all NBA. God, I wish. But, but let's, let's say like last year, Jalen Williams, <laughs> like um, Jalen Johnson. Um, Patrick Williams is an interesting one to me. But yeah, like those are like, you, you don't have to squint. You don't have to squint to see this guy being good. You know what I mean? No. Like th- those are the kind of guys I think that they would target as far as guys to build with going forward, right? You're not looking at, and I, I think those guys are probably on the younger scale. I think those guys are all like all 22, 23. Is that the best, like it just in the top of your head, that's the best like in your mind generally of what we're talking about here is a Patrick Williams, a Wendell Carter Jr. Like when we talk about getting a young player, that's the avenue. If you're talk, If you're talking about like the, what would they move for like, Malcolm Brogdon and that and like the Warriors pick. Yeah, I yeah. think that's kind of what you're looking at. Like you're okay. looking at a guy that is good, but also young, and the contract slot makes a ton of sense. Like the uh, talent level, you're like, this guy can clearly be better. Like, sure. th- like this guy's good, but he projects to be an above average starter. I think that's kind of like what because Malcolm Brogdon, if he's a starter, is an above average starter. Like his per, per 36, his entire career is basically 25 and 5. Like he's he's a very good player. So be like if you're looking to like make those changes and you're looking to get somebody younger because Malk's older, you add the yeah. additional pick to it, and that's I think kind of how you would balance it out. But I think those are like that's the kind of player that you would be kind of looking at are those kind of guys at least. Somebody uh is asking us not to use the name. I'm not using names here, but it's a random sentence to just throw in please don't use my name i i okay i hope you're not okay. cheating on a podcast i don't know uh how do you see this team as a contending team in a few years i don't think we have any future superstars and we have a pad owner how do you see it panning out i just don't see it maybe not a lottery team but not a contender i think that's far too easy to say because it's easy to say it like i, I don't see it I mean, I don't see this team's path to being a title winner, but I don't think anybody saw the Knicks' path to a title winner, title window a year ago. I didn't but, see it four months ago. And yeah, now you know I'm I mean? like, like, hey, maybe there's an avenue here. Like, I, if you told me the Knicks were in the NBA Finals this year, like, I wouldn't be shocked. I don't think I'm shocked anymore. Like, as long as if that team's healthy, like, that's a bunch of dogs. And that's like, you have to do everything you can to prepare to be ready to make a move and then don't screw it up. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is more often than not, number one, most teams don't make it. Number two, the teams that try to make it screw it up. And so it's like, there's a lot of luck involved and nobody wants to say that, but there's a ton of luck involved. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's yeah. that. Go, I, do you, I do think, you think, do you think the Knicks getting OG and an OB, do you think the fact that he came from Toronto and they just happened to have a Canadian star in RJ Barrett, who, if he was traded to literally any other team, would be devalued? I mean, there's luck in that. There's luck in that the Raptors can go sell a bajillion star J Barrett jerseys for a guy that 
doesn't mean anything to anybody else. Right. So it's like there's there's just dumb stuff like that lines up when you, like the Warriors getting a massive cap spike in 2016. <laughs> Kevin Durant, you know, like <laughs> this one. Uh, the Blazers don't have a young superstar yet. Shouldn't the losing seasons, yes, plural, continue until a superstar is landed? Question mark and ends it. Capture the flag with the two G's for a future Blazer. Ooh, capture flag. the flag's good. I like that. I like capture That's, the flag. That's a great motto for That's, if they're going to suck next year again, like this bad or worse. Capture the flag might need to be the motto. That's better. Th- Look, I had SAG for flag. I think capture, capture the, the flag, flag is better. Good. That's fantastic. It is, and also like you can turn like the F into like a little flag. Yeah, like a little golf flag. I like that. Yes. See? Yes. Branding. Now we're building. We we need we need to trademark this shit now. <laughs> Um, We're just gonna steal it from somebody at trademark it. Thanks, we own that now. Yeah, TM. It's called LeBron. <laughs> Taco Tuesday, baby. Mm-hmm. Taco, oh, you know. Um, so his it basically the question to refresh. Uh, you I, don't stop doing this until you I, find. This yeah, you can get lost in that sauce, man. You can get lost in that sauce. And then, and then when you get that guy, it's not a guarantee. That's process sixer stuff. Yeah, I say ask, ask Philly right now. They're looking at Joel Embiid's body and going, oh, God, why? <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's. I think that goes, but like you don't want to go too long. Yeah. Uh, somebody like, says, in what ways do you see Portland maximizing their chances at building a contender? What mistakes have you seen them make? Oh, this is an interesting one. What mistakes have you seen them make at an attempt in the last year? How long of a timeline do you guys think it will be for Portland to be a true top four team in the conference and or a contender? Four years, I think, is the earliest to be top four because it takes that long to get there. doesn't matter which team. Look at Boston. Look at Denver. Look at the Clippers. Like The Clippers had all this talent, but they just were injured for years. Denver, they had to figure it out. Jamal Murray's knee blows up. Michael Porter Jr.'s back disintegrates. You know, they figured it out with Aaron Gordon. It takes a very long time to be a sustainable top four team. Every now and then you'll luck into it and you get top three. Mm-hmm. Like you get the Wesley Matthews year where they end up top three. But um, mistakes, I think the mistakes for me were not picking sides sooner on what they were going to do. Both Dame Kind of being in the in-between camp. Yeah. Um, the two timelines. Uh, but I think transactionally I don't think they've made a ton of mistakes nothing that I would I would kill them for like maybe getting one more guy in the CJ deal but I, they they, yeah. they ended up needing the exact amount of money there to make the Jeremy TPE work so you know I, I guess you're kind of splitting hairs I think that, I think I think there's an easy one here right like the GP2 one was bad yeah the GP2 one is bad in hindsight it wasn't like it's not altering your 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 vision or your no, future. No, I don't think you, that move itself that. is bad because like the idea of GP two was great, and he was vouched for by people in his camp and in the Warriors camp and guys yeah, that I talked no to. Yeah. But like, if you talk about like, was it a mistake? Hell yes. Yeah. Um, but I think the biggest mistakes were the PR battle. I think those were the biggest mistakes, you know, going PR, too, PR press conferences were going pretty... going too loud with the Dame stuff about wanting to chase that. I think that's probably those were mistakes and I think they've le- I think they've learned from that. Let me look at Joe's press conferences since then. Yeah, I thought last night like no matter if I 
cling on to one little agree, thing. Agree, disagree, thought, whatever. Yeah. The fact that it wasn't memorable was kind of the point. I yeah, I, that's what I was gonna say. Is most of his answers were pretty to the point and mm-hmm. quick. He wasn't lingering much. Uh, why do we hear about uh, needing vets to not be Houston, Detroit, but OKC Orlando are doing fine without any pretty much question mark? Chet, Kason, J Dub, Giddy. Bankero, Wagner, Suggs, Anthony are all doing fine without needing their hands held. Why aren't those two teams the model, aside from SGA being MVP level, LOL? Yeah, let's go ahead and throw that last part out because apparently it doesn't matter. That's 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 the fucking point. Also, how did SGA get to that point? Yeah, what's he in year six? Chris Paul holding his hand. Yeah. Like, what are we doing here? And as far as Orlando goes, Orlando's eighth in the East right now, and they're struggling because they don't have any vets because they're having to lean on kids, and Anthony Black's out there eating up minutes. That team's healthy, and they've got everybody. Yeah, you know? I was surprised that team didn't go get a vet. It's the one team that surprised the hell out of me because they were, they were talking about guards so much. Yeah. They were talking about guards so much, and they didn't go get it. And I like that team. And I think they would be a, they're a team that needs a vet. And what's funny is, is everybody's out there right now talking about OKC going and getting a veteran big to stabilize them. Yeah, That's what that was another every- surprise for me. I was surprised they didn't do it. But again, what is everybody saying that that team needs? Yep, they need experience, especially with playoffs. I mean, they got it with Hayward, but he's not going to contribute. But again, what did they go get? Yeah, and so I was like, knows. and I think I think that's that's kind of the the point is that it. All these teams, they all need it. They're, they're, they aren't. They don't not have it. Uh, this one says, "What happened to Blazer fans? We used to be intelligent and more common sense fans. Now we overreact to every little thing." I, I'd actually like to start on this one. So we had a YouTube chat uh, going this morning on the radio show, and and somebody had texted in because I can't always keep up with the YouTube chat, and basically was just like, "I can't." There seems to be some uh, toxicity going on, and I know social media is kind of designed for it, but I've largely tried to stay out of this because I've noticed this, and I'd say this dates back for me. I'll go maybe the year Neil got fired. They ran that team back, and it feels like from that point, the discourse has just been pretty wildly back and forth of like, you're dumb, no, you're dumb, no, this is how you build it, no, this is how you build it, and I... I'm certainly open to all kinds of opinions. I can be wrong and tell you, hey, I was wrong. But I'm I'm kind of with this of just it just feels like everything is the biggest deal. I mean, to what you said of like you have people coming at you about Ryan Rupair. Why is Ryan Rupair not playing eight more minutes tonight? And it's like, yeah, they want that, but is that that big a deal right now? Is it gonna make or break his entire career? So I just I don't know. I feel like context and civil discourse in general is uh, kind of escaped. Ero- eroding. No, a little it, bit. It, yeah. it, it is. It, it is frustrating. It's like I want to enjoy this, the build process and, and letting guys get opportunities. Part of that is just having patience. And there has been almost zero patience across the fan base. And it's like, Guys, we should have is... made T-shirts, Danny. We should have made T-shirts that were not built for this, and so people could just buy them and be honest with themselves. And like, it's fine, but just admit to yourself that you just want it now. We're we're not in a society that allows for that anymore. And maybe that's the me being the old guy or whatever. But like, 
I, I wasn't kidding when I said I turned my brain off to like the immediate gratification stuff with this team and like demanding that they win. It just, I don't know how, here's my only question. Uh, as I also in the same podcast tell you, I've had moments where it's been a struggle for me, but it's, it's the, it's the, it's the reacting to everything on a public basis of just, it's the worst thing of all time. Hey, this thing's actually closer to being ready. Now they lose. Oh, it's the worst thing of all time. It's just, and it, there's 82 of these. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, man, just, just, you would think for a, a population that is so high all the time, we'd be a lot more chill about shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's tough, man. I think a lot of fans are still going through it. <laughs> go, too go, 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 uh, go, go, get your Michael Bublé on. And... Uh, last one. Go Michael answered... <laughs> Do some mushrooms. That, and that press conference is the wildest thing, man. Oh, it's man. so good. Uh, last one because we've answered some of these questions. Uh, I got a lot of good questions, but we kind of run through them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Chris Murray keeps playing the way he has and keeps gaining confidence, is his offensive upside while also not being terrible on defense? Start to put him on an even or ahead of two, with two being so limited on offense. I don't think so. I don't think so because I think it's different, and it's not. It's not a, it's not a shot at either one of those guys. I think you deploy them differently. I think Chris Murray is your Swiss Army knife, and you're starting to see he can knock down some shots. He can guard wings. He can guard guards. Uh, he can be a switchable defender. He can attack a closeout. He can put the ball down. He can kind of work in the middle of the floor like. Is he going to do all these things at like this high level? No. Is he going to do them at like above average passable level? Yeah. He, he, six foot eight guy. That's kind of a chameleon that you could just kind of figure things out with. I think yes. Yeah. I think it's a very 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 cool thing to have, and I'm I'm wondering. Uh, I'm wondering. I, I I think that he's going to end up being like a high level role player two-way role player, whereas two is a guy that you deploy as a defensive stopper. And as long yes. as he's a guy who's like a 36%, 35% three-point shooter, like you are going to have him just be like, I'm going to shoot threes or attack a closeout. That is my offensive principle. Mm-hmm. Chris is going to be, I don't, I don't want to put this on him because he's too, too good. And I think he's criminally underrated. Lesser Boris Diaw. Like, wow, this guy is really just, Whatever you need him to do, he can kind of give you that. I mean, Boris Diaw was, was really good, absolute contributor to a pretty damn good run in San Antonio. If you told me you get discount Boris Diaw, so there's still some impact there and somebody you can trust, like, yeah, I'd sign up for that. Yeah, and that's what I think. Like, and I think people would hear that and be like, Boris Diaw. I'm like, Boris Diaw's a hell of a player. Like, the, yeah, be a guy who can like work in in dribble handoffs, who can not necessarily be your playmaking hub, can be a secondary creator, a guy that you can trust. To like, He's shown he can knock down corner threes. He's show he can, shown he can attack closeouts. He's shown defensively he can play against bigs and smalls. He can you know close ground defensively from one side to the other. Um, he can work in the middle of the floor making a right read. He can put the ball down. Now, he's super left-handed. Yes, he <laughs> There's is. There's nobody more left-handed in the league than Chris Murray. <laughs> and he might need to kind of tweak that a little bit but like the the idea of of him that's that's the it's not a one for one with boris but i think that's the vein that i kind of see him ultimately being in 
Okay. All right. Well, that's uh, that basically does it because we we went through some of those questions and answered them without asking Ask the question yeah. first. So that's uh, that's all I got. I do want to say very quickly, thank you guys for the questions. We enjoy going through this stuff. I know it's um, as we just went on their big rant, our old man rant. It, it is a weird time. It's not always feeling the best. Um, but we appreciate everybody that's been tuning in and asking these questions, sure. following the season. Like it's it's fascinating for sure on how they're building this, the way they're building it, the patience part of it. Like all of that to me is uh, it, it's very interesting. So I just want to say thanks again to all the great questions that we got and everybody that's tuning into the pod. No, thank you. We we appreciate you guys. Like I get frustrated at times and I yell and I scream, but I love you guys. Um, most of you, at least. <laughs> the ones he doesn't block. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, that that even includes you, Rip City Reddit. That's how it goes. Um, but again, no, seriously, I, this development seasons and and rebuilds like they're different. And this organization really has not been through one in the modern era. So it's been kind of like, like these weird resets with injuries and stuff like that. But a clear like delineation is this is the first time it's happened, and people are reacting to it in their own ways and. Well, Roy Aldridge is one, right? Because you're getting out of an era, and you had you had to start from somewhere. Yeah, right? but they they didn't really even getting out of that era. Lamarcus leaves, and after Dame gets here, and then Dame and CJ like there's even the Jailblazers too. Brandon Lamarcus, it wasn't like they intentionally sucked. They just sucked because they just made a lot of really bad decisions. Like, and then Pritchard comes along and saves their ass. You know, kind of a situation. So yeah. Um. This is just different, and it's especially more different in today's NBA and how you mm-hmm. go about doing it. So uh, we appreciate you guys being here along for the ride. Uh, we will start pivoting, or at least particularly me, we'll start pivoting more and more and more to draft coverage as we start getting closer and closer. Um, you guys can, uh, if you haven't already, you can come j- or sign up already. You can come join Dusty or I or Isaac and Souk uh, at the X-Golf uh, locations in Twalton and Vancouver coming up here on February 27th. And how then, come you're not at Twalton? Oh, you mean know. how come I'm not like an hour or, or 40 minutes away and not an hour and 40 minutes away? Yeah. I don't really understand the logi- logistics. Because the afternoon crowd is very big, and that's Isaac and Souk at the bigger location. Uh-huh. Okay. I yeah. still don't. Remind me yeah. again, where does Souk live? <laughs> yeah. Isaac's right next to I-5. <laughs> it seems like maybe put them in Vancouver and me in Walton. Not that I'm angry about that. Where does I... Dusty live? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, but sign up. 1080fan.com. 1080fan.com. Hey. Come hang out. Uh, yes. And then we will make an announcement here very soon about uh, upcoming uh, situations for the NCAA tournament for March Madness. Oh, hello. Oh, hello, Clarice. Uh, <laughs> that'll be a lot of fun. And then we, we can uh, we can do some joint Jacked Ramseys slash uh, Tenny to the Fan uh, young player watch party discussions and, and things of that nature. So uh, other than that, remember, you can catch, uh, I'd say his co-host, but his co-host is still gone for another month. Uh, <laughs> Brandon's break every morning at least. from 6 to 9 with a rotation of uh, colorful characters on Tenny the Fan. Uh, until uh, until Dirt and uh, Little Smudger are back on, on regular schedules. You can catch me and my uh, co-host, uh, Dusty Hero, noon to three every day as well. Like, rate, view, subscribe, help us grow the show at Danny Brink, at Brandon Sprake, at Jack Ramsey's, jackdramsey's at gmail.com. Like, rate, view, subscribe. We appreciate you. We love you. Have a wonderful, wonderful night. Take care. Talk soon. 
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.